Hey everybody, thanks uh, thanks for joining us again on our second podcast here. Uh, this is Greg here, and once again we have Brother Ken and Brother Scott with us. Um, tonight we're going to be talking about um, diving into alcohol and how it has to deal with the church and kind of where the where the viewpoints are on it and backing it up with scripture. Um, and then we're just basically going to go through and dive it. Like I said, this one's a little bit different than it was last time. We went into having questions and doing a question and answer with the last study we did. Uh, this one's just us three chatting and using scripture to back up our own opinions. So uh, with that being said, we'll let Ken dive into it here. So, hey, everybody, thanks for checking in with our podcast. And uh, I hope that you got a lot to listen to last time. I, I wanted to add something from our last podcast just real quick. I shared it with Scott and Greg. Um, I'm reading a book and the guys, I don't know if we can actually say the book on our podcast or not, but um, it, it's okay. <laughs> uh, we um, were talking about the military last time there was a question about the military and i just kind of wanted to bring that up that in this book that i was reading that there are two different hebrew words for the word kill and one actually means murder and the other means kill and um the way the the writer was actually bringing the thought across was is that there's a definite distinction between murdering someone and having to kill someone and so and that that made a lot of sense to me because i mean and he was talking about hating your enemies, and I won't keep this very long, but I mean, I can imagine if somebody was breaking into my house and I had to kill them, you know, or felt like I needed to use force to save me and my family, I wouldn't hate them. It's not that I hated them and took their life. I actually probably out of fear would just be protecting my own. And then instead of murdering them, I would have killed them. And so you think about that in context of the military or a police officer, I think it just brings it into a little bit better context. And I just wanted to share that from last week. Um, So this alcohol thing, you know, it's, you know, to me, there's a lot of folks who really struggle with this. And, you know, there's people who feel like that, you know, um, that you should be able to sit down and have a glass of wine or, um, that you should be able to socially drink. And, you know, there's no way that we can take the scripture and say that the scripture says you cannot have a drink with alcohol in it. You actually can't do that. However, we do know what the scripture says about drunkenness, right? And people say, well, Jesus turned the water into wine. And But do we ever, I mean, do we ever read a scripture where Jesus himself is dealing with any type of drunkenness whatsoever? Not at all, right? Um and so one of the things that, and I, I looked up a couple of scriptures here and I wanted to read a couple to, um, a couple of them to you. Um, you know, there's, there's some, there's one in Titus one and seven, and it talks about the office of a bishop, right? And so I just kind of want to point this out because this implies total abstinence. Okay. And it says, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine. And so not a striker or not given to filthy lucre. This almost teaches us here that, you know, that if you're going to have the office of a bishop, that you're not going to be given to wine at all. One of the things that I had talked about with you guys before, and we were all supposed to do our study on it was, 
what was the difference in the alcohol content between a glass of wine today and a glass of wine in biblical times? Because <clears throat> there was no fermenting process uh, or distilling process before the 1500s. Mm-hmm. So I know that an average glass of wine, eight ounces of wine today, I think has an alcohol content anywhere, anywhere from 12 to 17 yeah. percent as to where an, uh, a glass of wine in context to biblical days under normal fermenting process, which I did look up a little, some of it, and it's called organic wine, where that just allows it to go through a normal fermenting process. You're looking at maybe, maybe the highest alcohol content you can get is anywhere from seven to ten percent. So you see a definite reduction in the amount of alcohol as far as biblical wine goes and wine under the distilling process today. Um, here's what I want to say about it. Um, I, you know, most of you who probably listen to our podcast know that I'm a licensed clinical mental health counselor. And I can tell you this, had an individual never taken their first drink of alcohol and never drank alcohol at all, they would have never become an alcoholic. And so I, although I can't, take the scripture and teach complete, total, 100% abstinence, I can sit you down with a lot of people who would tell you that they would to God, they'd never taken their first drink of alcohol whatsoever. Um, You know, one of the places in the scripture, and I'd looked this up earlier, and it's in Matthew and Mark, I think, where it talks about they actually made fun of Jesus in context of his ministry and said he's a wine bibbler. Right. And so they were using it in a derogatory way as someone who was given to much wine. Mm-hmm. And so we know those negative connotations that we're hearing. And then even that scripture that I read in Titus about bishops, that I personally believe that in the day and age that you and I live in, that it would be a good thing in God's eyes to leave it alone. Um, now, I also say this. People are going to do what they want to do, regardless of what they call themselves. Um, and so it it makes me nervous because I think there's people who feel like I can sit down and just have a glass of wine and they'll never step over kind of that social limit that they feel like. Um, but I've seen plenty of people step over that social limit and uh, it affects us. It changes us. And so. You know, there's plenty of other scriptures we can read to you about wine, you know, not given to drunkenness. Scripture said, no drunkard shall inherit the kingdom of God. But here again, here's the argument for that. One glass of wine is not being a drunkard. But one glass of wine with 17% alcohol content compared to a biblical glass of wine with a much lower alcohol content, you are going to see significant changes in people. It's going to happen. So... That's kind of where I wanted to start at and just see what you guys' thoughts were. I know you guys did some study yourselves and see what you come up with. You know, taking, um, I was thinking, oh, sorry, I was thinking that, you know, even if you pull some of the scriptures, you can go, there's hundreds of scriptures on alcohol in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also scriptures that have nothing to do with alcohol that talk about, like First uh, Peter 5 and 8, it says, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And so, in an inebriated state, whether that be a 
mildly inebriated state or a heavily inebriated state, how are you supposed to be vigilant? How am I supposed to be able to be conscious of my surroundings, my awareness and things like that? And, uh, one thing that's funny is like when I was a kid, my dad always used to pound, don't be drinking alcohol, blah, 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 because you know, you're talking about not putting any other, bringing any other spirits, but what do they call alcohol now? Spirits. Spirits. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So why would you, why would you even infiltrate something like that? Um, and then the third thing I wanted to tag on that was kind of interesting to me was that, uh, I, I I'm, I'm very, how do I say this? I'm very mindful of my witness. Mm-hmm. And when you lose that, then you lose, basically you lose your feet to whoever you're witnessing to. And it, you have to be witnessing that person. If somebody you go to church with, or you met, you know, Hey, I go to church at X, Y, Z, whatever. And, um, they see you out having a drink. Well, and granted, you could be just having a drink, you know, nothing be it, taking that one drink of wine, as we spoke of, you know, um, that could be all it is, is nothing more, nothing less. But then they're like, well, man, how do I feel about this scripture? It says not to drink, you know, that says that we shouldn't be drinking or things like that. How, how can he be saying this and doing that? So trying to, like you say, the absence of it, you know, staying away from it totally, in my opinion, is one of those things that's like, it's very important, you know, because you, you could lose all credibility to those that you minister to those that you are witnessing to, and just your people that look up to you in church or anything like that. Cause I mean, you stand up to testify in church and somebody seen you out the night before just having a drink. Where does that sit with them? You know, they could lose all that. I think there's a lot to be said too about atmosphere when you're in places like that, but not only atmosphere, but here's the other thing. And I think this is the kicker for the whole thing is that no, you know, you can't find in the scripture where it says thou shalt not drink wine. You're not going to find that. But what you're going to find is plenty of scriptures that talk to us about our behavior. Mm -hmm. Now, what you're talking about, Greg, is normal Christian behavior is a lot of people think it's okay to have a beer or okay to have a glass of wine. But I want to share this with you. I work with guys every day who are alcoholics. And one of the things I, you know, I work with the guys who sometimes will have a year of abstinence, you know, a year clean. You would think, you know, after a year, I'm doing pretty good, right? Do you guys want to know the one thing that gets them every single time, gets them every single time? They tell themselves, I can have just one drink. Mm -hmm. It gets them every single time. And so one of the things that I'm constantly sharing with them is you're going to have to accept the fact that you're that guy who can't have that one drink. And even that guy who thinks he's the guy who can have that one drink, he always steps over the line and winds up not having that one drink. Mm -hmm. So how can we as Christians put ourselves in that vulnerable of a spot in that place where we step over that line and we actually commit that sin of drunkenness because drunkenness is sin. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just plain and simple that, yeah. you know, we're, you're not going to inherit the kingdom. Of, we, we can come down to the, to the whole alcohol thing all the way and say, well, we cannot say that the Bible totally teaches abstinence from alcohol, but we do know that there is definite, you know, scriptures that let us know that drunkenness is sin. And so to be that guy, okay, I'm just going to have that one drink. No, you're not that guy. Christians should not be that guy. They shouldn't even start there. Why would you even want to start there? Mm -hmm. I truly believe it's just another one of those things of pushing the envelope. 
mm-hmm. trying to be as much like the world as you can possibly be because we get in situations where we're uncomfortable. My boss is having a glass of wine. I want to kind of feel like I fit in. I want to kind of feel like, you know, drinking wine is an adult thing, <laughs> right? I want to feel like I'm one of the guys. No, that's not who we are as Christians. We are not those people. So I I just wanted to share that because there's a lot of guys, nine times out of 10, those guys will tell me, Ken, I thought I could just have one. And they couldn't. They couldn't have just one. Yeah. The Bible, you know, talks about us being a peculiar people. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about where you were talking about. I've been in a lot of situations uh, with work and you know you go out and everybody's drinking and you're sitting there with a sprite or a coke or yeah. sweet tea or something yeah. like that right um and yes there there are some things that the bible calls out explicitly Absolutely, right like we're talking yeah. about drunkenness there's things that the bible is there's no there's no gray areas right. it's black and white um but it seems like the, it's these areas where it doesn't explicitly call it out where christians get tripped up right and they yep. spend a lot of time trying right. to figure out well the those bible, gray areas those gray areas yeah mm. the bible doesn't explicitly say that i can't have alcohol um but there's so many things in principle right right yeah um i i was thinking about you know as you guys were talking alcohol smoking marijuana right all of their mind altering things, right? Mm. And I am a very introverted person. You guys have known me quite a while. I'm a pretty introverted person. I'm very quiet. Um, but I have a feeling that if I started taking some of those things and putting those things in my in my body, they would make me a different person. Absolutely. I might suddenly become the life of the party. Right? Absolutely. And and in that I'm a different person. I may not even remember what I was doing. I may not remember what I say. How is the spirit of God going to guide me? Mm. How am I going to hear that over everything else, whatever my yeah. mind mm. is um, being altered mm. by Absolutely. these substances, right? And um, it's in those situations where you want to really be mindful of the spirit of God, of how can I be a witness, right? right. Um, how can I maybe help someone? And if you're partaking in those things, I just feel like I've sat and watched, I've sat at dinner before and somebody drink a glass of wine. I've worked with these people, right? And maybe that doesn't alter them too much. Right. But man, they get to the end of that second glass and it's a different person. It's not the person that I work with. Right. 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 And that's to me, it's in principle. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've, I've watched this kind of unfold even in the, in the Christian community online. There's been uh, about six months ago, there was this big debate going on in a lot of religions, some of the Southern Baptists and different ones where they were, some of them were even saying, look, you need to stay away from this. Like, yes, the Bible does not say that you can't have alcohol, but think about your witness, right? There there was a debate. And then there was others who were saying, well, because it says I can drink alcohol, I feel like I ought to be able to. Um, I really feel like it comes down to the principle. Well, I mean, I'm thinking what first thing went to my mind is the Bible says we can handle serpents too, but we've seen how that's went for a few people. Right. So, because that's not what it's talking about. That right. principle, you know, that principle is there. I'm not going to go out and be picking up copperheads and rattlesnakes mm-hmm. to prove how spiritual I am. It's not going to happen. And I don't have to go out and order a glass of wine to prove how manly I that's am. Right. You know, the thing that I feel like is, is that when I represent Christ in every form, fashion, shape, behavior, thought that 
I have enough going on without like what you said, Scott, giving the enemy an opportunity in a kind of this altered state to mess with my thoughts and mess with my mind. You know, the mind is is pretty fragile anyhow. I mean, people just don't realize, um, you know, that teeter teetering that we can do sometimes. And there's no way that we can say that we can sit down and have a glass of wine today and it not change our behavior as where you said two glasses of wine. I've seen people after the first glass of wine, their behavior that you can tell there's just a, a loosening up. And I read a scripture, I think it's in Psalms 138, where it said, God said that, that wine is good because it makes the heart merry. Well, let's think about that for just a second. In, in the Old Testament, there was a much different um, approach to things. Men did what was right in their own eyes. I mean, there was a whole lot of things that went on in the New Testament. What we need, or in the Old Testament, what we need to do as Christians today is look at the New Testament characterization of Christ, because that's what we're supposed to be emulating. And we don't see that in his behavior. We don't ever see that in Christ's behavior. And so I, I I will tell you that I absolutely believe 100% that there is no way if Jesus came in the time that you and I live in today that he would sit down and have what we would consider a modern glass of wine and social drink with people. That's not what he did. Right. And so, again, when you think about this in terms of, well, what is the Christian answer? Well, the Scripture said those that are sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. And I just believe that God's spirit can bring us all to the same conclusion. It's not a good thing for us to do. You can't go into the scripture and say, thou shalt not smoke Joe the camel either. You can't find that. You can't, you know, I know medical marijuana is becoming, maybe that'll be one of our next subjects, right? Medical marijuana is becoming a big thing among people who call themselves Christians and every, and, but what we need to see is, is that, When you look at this subject and you look at how grossly it has affected people in our world today, wouldn't the Christian message be to stay away from it? What if, you know, Paul talks a lot about being a stumbling block. He talks about eating meat, right? So, you know, there, there. I do not believe there's a specific genotype that if someone is born to be an alcoholic, but I do believe that some people's systems are more susceptible to addiction than other people's systems. And for certain things as well, what if that new guy comes in and he's seeking to be a Christian and he gets saved, right? And he's dealing with that alcohol, Right. And we're trying to teach him freedom. We're trying to teach him liberty. And then we're going to go sit down at dinner with him and have a glass of wine. It's not going to work. It's just not going to work. And here's kind of my final point, I hope. I don't think that I'm going to get to heaven. And Jesus is going to say, you know what, son, you did really good. But I'm not sure why you didn't have a glass of wine while you was down there. He's not. If we err towards the side of caution, he'll honor that. You know, because there are some areas that are great. But if we think about it in the context of God, I want to honor you. 
I, I don't want to do anything that would, um, you know, defame you or defraud you in any way. And so because of that, I'm staying away from it. You're, he's he's not going to find fault for for that when we get to heaven. Right. It's just not going to happen. He's not going to say, well, you know, you should have had a few bottles of wine when you was down there. He's not going to say that. And so to me, that's kind of the deciding thing, you know. I remember when I first got saved, um, I've told you guys this before, but like uh, I felt like I had to make God relevant, you know, and it almost took power away from Jesus, you know, because I was like, I've got to bring him to everybody, right? Mm -hmm. So at the time, you know, I was working at Verizon and a lot of the guys and girls, they'd be like, hey, let's go out and get some drinks. Well, they'd make fun of me because I still wouldn't drink. I'd go out with them. I'd go out to these bars, all that stuff, and they'd be ever laughing at me drinking my Sprite or whatever it was, you know. And uh, But I was, I was like, I just can't, you know, because one, I had to go home to my son. I was a single dad during that time and things like that. But there were other, you know, with Jesus, I was like, how can I be a witness to you, you know, doing this, whether I want to make God relevant or not to you as a, as a where you are in life? I think God's more powerful. I shouldn't have to dip into that. You know, and, and that's just really been my striving point is that I don't have to join you in your sin to bring God to you. Right. I don't have to join you in right. things yeah. that could literally tear me apart. You know, before I got saved, absolutely. I drank. I was, well, I was a twisted boy. You know, that's just what I did. And um, once I got saved, it just, that was one of the things I was able to set aside quickly. And I figured if God wanted to take that away, why aren't we cussing every now and then then mm -hmm. it's okay. As long as you don't say a whole bunch of them, you know, yeah. it's okay. As long as you're not mm -hmm. smoking a lot of pot, you know, but I'm like, no, it's not, you know, right. we have yeah. to turn our way from that. Just like yeah. the Israelites were supposed to be a different people. All right. those laws were not to make them live a stricken life. Those laws were to make them a different people. Right. And, you know, I had a, I was witness to a guy the other day and he was telling me, Something, oh, uh, he was a Jewish person, um, God practices Judaism. And I was, uh, he was telling me about how they believe Jesus was a good prophet and things like that. I'm like, that's great and all. I said, but Jesus didn't come to knock off your laws. Mm -hmm. He even says that. He says, you know, I came to fulfill those laws. So he didn't take them away. Right. So we, in, in my opinion, if he didn't take them away, he still wants us to be a peculiar people. Sure he does. He doesn't, Absolutely. you know, he didn't come to say, oh, well, I'm love this and love that. God's still a just God. Absolutely. That's yeah. the core of who God is. And and so therefore, if, if God is not different then and he's not different now, then why would I dabble in something that he's, he doesn't necessarily say, do not go do it, but something that could ruin everything. Paul wouldn't eat meat. He just flat out wouldn't do it. Right. It didn't matter if it, he knew where it came from or what. He just said, listen, I don't want to be that stumbling block for somebody else. Ken, if you were out having a drink and one of your, your patients come up and that's what they struggle with, how would that, you know, how would that look? And they're like, you're over here. You can get deliverance from this, you know? Right. And they come in and saw you having a sip and they're like, well, he obviously is not delivered. You know, right. why, why right. do I need to? And then they could literally 180 right out the door and be done. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there's so much more to even just the spirituality side, just, we could really mess some people up by just messing with the stuff, you know? And I just, I don't want to have any part of that. I don't want to, like you said, I don't think Jesus is going to fault me for not dabbling in some marijuana or dabbling yeah. in some alcohol. I don't think Jesus is going to say, Greg, I, I still put it on the earth. You can, you know, no, 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 no. Yeah. He put a lot of things on the earth and we've made stuff out of the earth and we've ruined a lot of the earth. You know, I'm not going to go do stuff like that 
when I'm to be to my kids, how am I supposed to be a witness to my son who can potentially see that stuff? Right. And he's like, well, they do it. Well, I don't, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not going to do it because this is, you know, Jesus and getting to heaven is more important to me than anything in this world. And that's why somebody asked me the other day about, Oh, three kids. That's kind of crazy. I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm just hoping Jesus comes back before they reach that age of accountability. You know, I'm yeah. like, come on, let's get them out of here. This world's going nuts, you know? Um, but yeah, I just, I, I want to focus on not causing people to stumble. I struggle enough myself as I'm sure both of you do with just making sure I'm crossing my T's and dotting my I's with my relationship with Christ. Right. Um, I, I like to mirror my relationship with Christ as the same relationship with my wife. If I'm not helping her around the house and doing those things and being a servant to her, then how can I expect her to do the same to me? Same thing with Christ. If I'm not doing the things that Christ asks of me and the things he wants me to do, how can I expect when I say, Lord, please be with so-and-so that he's going to listen or even care to listen to what I have to say, you know? Yeah. So I don't want anything to, to blotch that, that, that little, little bit I have, you know, I want to make sure I'm crossing my T's and dotting my I's with the Lord and make sure I'm right on the right path and checking myself because this could be one of those things. Like you say, what if I went away from wine and did a, a harder drink mm -hmm. one drink, you know, I haven't had a drink in 11 years almost 12 years now. And you're, so I could take that one drink and it would honestly alter me right. wine or not, whatever it was, it would definitely do something to my mind to the fact that I'm not being vigilant and sober minded to be that Christian. I need to be for God. You know right. what I'm saying? It's yeah. just, that's something that I've always struggled with, but I've kept in the forefront of my mind about alcohol and drugs and things like that. So it helps me to stay away from it, you know, right. For sure. I was thinking, you know, we've talked a lot about social drinking. Mm -hmm. Um, and kind of that effect when you do it in a public place. But, you know, we've had a, we've had a rough year. Yeah. 20 was rough. And, but even before that, there was people that may say, well, I don't drink in a social setting. I don't go out and drink, but I, you know, my work is super stressful. The kids I've got, you know, little kids, it's super stressful. And I just like to sit down in my living room by myself yep. yeah. and drink a glass of wine to try to, Knock the edge myself off. and knock the edge <laughs> off. So as, as Christians, and we've talked a little bit about victory, I'm just going to pose this question. You guys can um, kind of join in here, but um, what do we say? What do we want to say to those people who are struggling in their mind with stress and those types of things and are saying, well, alcohol takes the edge off. Yeah. Uh, what do we want to say to those people? So I, I think that's a great question. As a matter of fact, I had a couple things in my mind that I wanted to share with you as well. But when, you know, when this whole COVID thing hit, people did not see why that it made any sense for liquor stores to remain open. Um, but what they don't understand is, is there are people who are severe alcoholics who if they stop drinking, they'll die. I mean, they'll literally die. They absolutely have to drink to not die um, because they go into severe DTs, they have seizures. And so I know a lot of people didn't get it, right? Here's the other aspect of that. You know, of course, the world thinks, well, if we keep the liquor stores open and the beer stores open, everybody's going to be more mellow. They're not going to be as, as apt to be fighting and well, we kind of see how that went, <laughs> right? Yeah. So that didn't work. Um, you know, to say, you know, alcohol is a depressant. I mean, we know that. And so to say that alcohol, 
when it's consumed doesn't bring us down to this kind of lowered state. But we also actually have clinical evidence that once you're done and you're coming back, the symptoms prior to that that you were trying to mask, are, they are actually exacerbated. So they're actually worse. Mm -hmm. So you're going to feel more edgy after you drink, after you come off of that, at drinking that alcohol. You're going to feel more anxious. And so, you know, here's the thing. Everybody needs an outlet. They, because we live in a very anxious, very um, time-constrained um a, a very unmanageable world at mm -hmm. times, you know, because of all the things we've got going on around us. And I think one of the things, and we can tell people, we'll just pray, just pray. And prayer works for to help take the edge off things. But, you know, there's a lot of other things that we can do. People need to get involved. Christians need to get involved. You know, we need to be physical. These bodies are machines. You want to know one of the best ways to take the edge off? A good, hard day's work. Yeah. It will literally take the edge off, right? You know, we don't live in a world today when people are working as physically as what they used to. And I understand that because we live in a very techni technically uh, advanced world. But again, there's plenty of research out there that lets people know that if you'll just spend 20 minutes or 30 minutes just trying to release some of that energy yeah. and and you wouldn't believe how much better that is actually for you than alcohol is. Um, you know, so what happens is to go back to the question, people get home and they're wore out in their minds and they think if I have a drink of alcohol, it's just going to knock the edge off. And it's it, it's really kind of just allowing them to escape from what's going on for a little bit. And when they turn right back around, they're still on the exact same desert island it was right. on before. Yeah. They didn't escape from anything. Right. It's just the desert islands actually got smaller instead of bigger. So as a Christian perspective, you know, when we come home in the evening, some of the things we can do for some of the, you can get out and go visit people, man. You can get out and socialize with people. That helps take the edge off as well. Um, there was a, a study that was done with Russian children who were in um, orphanages, and the Russians did not have any interaction with the children whatsoever. They would basically lay in the cribs, and when they first come in the orphanage, when you walk into a Russian orphanage, you don't hear crying. There's no crying whatsoever. The children have just learned they don't have any interaction. There's no touch, no feel, nothing. And then whenever that's introduced to them, it is so strange to them and they're so scared of it that that's when you see these horrible behavioral issues, just these you know, almost terrifying behavior from these children who had no human interaction. God made us to be sociable. I don't have to have a drink to be sociable with people. Right. right. You know, what that comes from, and I'm just being honest with you, people don't sit down and talk face to face anymore. They don't have the interaction that they used to. Families don't even do that, right? I mean, we've got parents and fathers and, and mothers who will sit across the room and text each stuff to each other. Mm -hmm. Can you get me a glass of tea or text <laughs> it, right? Yeah. And so we're losing this very social interaction that we need to have. 
that actually does help to reduce anxiety when it's in the right setting. The physical exercise helps to reduce anxiety when we're in that setting. Prayer really helps to reduce anxiety. It really does. Meditation, Bible reading helps to reduce anxiety. If we don't do these things, then the enemy kind of has, an, has a, a door. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you do this. Now it's a lot of folks, it's anxiety meds, you know, whatever we can do to just kind of escape, right? We just yeah. want to get, we want to get free from it all for a little bit. Well, here's the thing, fellas, we're the ones that are controlling the all. We want to get free from it all, but we're the ones who are controlling the all. Mm-hmm. We can reduce the all if we didn't feel like we weren't successful, if we're not having these six-figure jobs and involved in having these titles and these images and things like that. And that those are the external stressors that people come home and it forces them. I just got to have a couple beers. I'm telling you, I just, yeah. I, if I can get a couple beers, I'll be fine. Two beers winds up to 12, 12 winds up to more. Pretty soon we've lost our wives. We lost our kids. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's all because of the all. And I just want to share something with you. Jesus said, go sell all that you have. He was just asking him to give it up. And so to say that we're not in a rat race and people, no wonder people want to drink. It's, it, it's true. But we're the ones who control the all. Right. Yeah, when you ask that question, Scott, my, kind of like uh, Ken said, my, my mind went immediately um, I heard it put this way is we all need a chair and that chair is our grounding point. There's got to be a, a release and that chair, you know, whatever that chair, wherever you put that chair is where your release is at. And for a long time, um, before I met my wife, um, I would just come home and watch television and just numb my mind to dealing with the headaches, you know, and it was, and that, that was my outlet, you know, as I would just turn the TV on, I wouldn't even be watching it. It'd just be in the background, just be some noise. In fact, sometimes I catch myself doing that now. You know, there's times that, you know, Dre's like, let's turn the TV off. I'm like, well, it's just in the background, you know, and things like that. But I'm like, it's just, it's, it's because I've been there so long, which now my house is chaos with two small kids mm. running around and now one's crawling, you know? So, so my outlet has become more physical with my kids, you know, chasing Maggie down and Nora's calling to play with me, play with me. And I mean, it just, breaks my heart if I'm sitting there watching TV or something and she's like, play with me dad. I'm like, Oh, I could have been doing that in the first place, you know? Um, but those are my driving points. You know, those are my outlets. I sit that much. That's my chair. You know, is that, that's where I, I keep, keep my, keep myself grounded. I don't have to go drink and out, drink a beer or alcohol or anything like that to, to do that. Um, I can even go outside and play with my kids or work on whatever project Drea has put in my honey do list, you know, mm-hmm. is, Uh, those things keep me grounded as well. But, and I I like to spend some time on my way home from work in silence, you know, because I know granted my, you know, my job is very physically demanding, but at the same time, I'm thinking about this is what I can do tomorrow to get this much further along on the project. If I just turn it all off and drive home and and my wife is the world's worst. She'll call me and she'll be like, Hey, how you doing? Blah, blah. I don't like talking. I'll, I'll, I'll be home. Here's where I'm at. I'll be there shortly. You know, love you. Bye. And that's, I get off the phone. I throw it off to the side. And that's, that's another thing for me. It's like, let me take the world away on my way home, you know, and get rid of 
as much of that work, that stuff as possible um, before I get to the house. And that's another outlet for me. And I think, I think it's very, very important as Christians, we help people develop those outlets, find those outlets. You need to find something, like you said, reading scripture, meditating, praying, those are all ways to bring the mind back together. Um, and that's why, that's why we do them. That's the disciplines of being a Christian. That's, that's why we have to do these things, you know? Um, yeah, but it's like, like I said, it's, I think it is our job to be physical with and mentally savvy with helping others. Let's find your outlet. You know, yeah. you shouldn't have to have a glass of wine. What is it really doing? Like you say, it's just making your, your problems going to come back much more. It's just going to, you know, it's not really taking any edge off. It's just putting the blinders up until the next moment, you know? And if we continue to do that, then eventually it's just going to blow up. I mean, that's all you're, that's all you're doing is you're basically putting, you're, you're filling up your bag. If you're going to run out of room eventually, and it's just going to unload and you pray to God that it's not your kids or your wife, that that unloads on, you know, and that's typically with alcohol, that's where it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where most of your domestic violence has come from. Uh, kids are taken away from the household. All that stuff happens because we let it build up and we don't have that outlet. So we resort to something, whether it be alcohol, pot, whatever the case may be. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's, that's exactly just like Ken said, it's all about having an outlet. And I think Jesus can be that outlet as well, you know? Yes. So there's sure. a, there's a couple places in the scripture, like for instance, when Noah got off the ark, right. Um, we see that he was taken in too much wine. Mm-hmm. A very bad thing happened. Yes. A lot. And his two daughters yep. taken in too much alcohol. A very bad thing happened. How often could we say very bad things happen around alcohol? That would not happen if the individual never took their first drink. If Noah had never took that first drink, he wouldn't be where that wouldn't have happened. If, you know, Lot had never taken that first drink, that would have never happened. One of the things before before we end here, there's three different types of drink that are mentioned in the Scripture. There's fermented drink, strong drink, and wine. And the Scripture almost alludes to, and history almost tells us, that when fermented drink and strong drink is referred to, that it has a much higher alcohol content than what wine would have had or what would have been considered wine. Some scholars even believe that wine is simply a reference to, you know, a a very mild alcoholic content of of a very mild alcohol content drink. But when it talks about strong drink and fermented drink, you're getting up to those higher alcohol contents. Now, again, let's remember that a glass of wine today is anywhere from 12 to 17%. It's not any lower than that. Most of them are right around 12 to 15%. So if we're looking at strong drink or fermented drink at like a 9 or a 10%, and maybe a wine, all, all fresh squeezed grapes was considered wine. They did not call it grape juice. You're going to find grape juice in the scripture? No. But we have grape juice and wine which shows us that there is no alcohol content because it's considered grape juice. Just like we mentioned earlier in the beginning of the broadcast about murdering and killing, when we think of wine, there's different names for it too. And there's sometimes that it's referencing that there is no alcoholic content to it whatsoever. It was fresh squeezed right out of the press. An example of that is Jesus said, you don't put new wine into old vessels. Well, there's no acidity to fermented wine, and it's the acidity that would create uh, a problem with, you know, 
a vessel actually cracking or breaking. So I just think it's important for us to realize that to go back and pick up all the history of it, we're not dealing with a wine that has an alcohol content of what it has today. today. It's just nowhere close. It's nowhere close. So, yeah. So I guess as we're, I mean, we're getting ready to close up. We still have a few more minutes, but um, I think this has really been good. One thing I do want to encourage people who are listening, we're working on our comment section on the iTunes side of this so that when you'll be able to comment, uh, maybe we can bring in some people that want to give us some topics, for example, you know, mm-hmm. I, I want to know more about this, or I want to know more about this, or what, what is the, what is the biblical way of this? And uh, so please bear with us as we do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, this just kind of wrapping it up is I don't think that there's nowhere in the scripture that says alcohol is a no go, but I think of what we've given a pretty good argument to, there's no reason for it. Yeah. You know, there, there really just, there just isn't, there's no, there's, as a Christian, there, there's more things important than losing, losing out on stuff like that. And like you say, Ken, the first drink, if you never had that first one, and that's really for anything, you never had the first step, where would you be? You know? So just to, just to say something else to, you know, there's no place in the scripture where it says thou shalt not do LSD. Right. Yeah. These are things that are in our world today. Mm-hmm. But as Scott mentioned earlier, the principles in there. The principle in the scripture, I believe, for us as his children is leave it alone. You're better off. Leave it alone. And so if you can't accept that and you want to be that guy who wants to raise your flag and call yourself Christian or Church of God or whatever you want to call yourself, and you want to be able to fit in and have that glass of wine, you go ahead. But I'd be interested to know whether or not you wound up stepping over the line. Yeah. Because I guarantee you, before long, you're going to step over the line. That's even not even alcohol, Ken. You think of your vices. I think your vices could send you to hell. And I'm, I'm talking like your hobbies. If they if they become president over God in your life, then then you're, you're just lost. You you have lost. So whether it's alcohol or any kind of drug or anything that messes with your mind, it could literally be something as simple as playing too many video games you know, talking to your wife a certain, you know, if, 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 say, if treating people, you know, different, all your vices could literally become your idol. I mean, there's scripture for that too. Um, so, I mean, I'm saying, you know, we'd ever take that first step. We have to be careful on all steps. True. Whether the scripture right. says, don't smoke, don't do LSD, don't smoke pot, don't do, don't drink alcohol. It also, it talks about taking things too far, but if you never take the step down the path anyway, you don't have to worry about going too far. Absolutely. So, yeah. With that being said, we appreciate you guys checking Thank in. You Thank Thanks you, everybody. Thanks for joining. Yeah, and uh, we will be trying to do this again, I think, in two weeks. And Lord willing, I'll be able to send us out a topic here soon. Uh, God bless and thank you all.